0: Okay, Genesis chapter 50 this evening, Genesis chapter 50, and we're going to start reading from verse 15 this evening, Genesis 50 verse 15 says, and when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead they said joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him and they sent a messenger unto joseph saying thy father did command before he died saying so shall ye say unto joseph forgive i pray thee now the trespass of thy brethren and their sin they did unto thee evil and now we pray thee forgive the trespass of thy servants uh, sorry of the servants of the god of thy father And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God. But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Now therefore fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones, And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. Let's commit our time to the Lord in prayer. Lord and Heavenly Father, we are very thankful that we can uh, be here once more this evening. That Lord, we can come and spend time considering your word. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, just speak to us tonight. Uh, Teach us, instruct us as only you can. Lord, I pray that you would, Empower me now and give me wisdom uh, through the Spirit I to say only that which you have me to say. Your words, your thoughts this evening. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, challenge us, that you would bless us, you would refresh us as you see fit. And that, Lord, you would be honored and glorified now. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> Of course, last week we <coughs> considered the start of Genesis chapter 50 and we, we looked at Jacob's funeral uh, recorded for us there and we talked about how <coughs> Jacob was greatly honored at his death, not just by his sons, uh, but uh, also by the Egyptians and indeed by Pharaoh himself. Now uh, We saw that the Egyptians, they mourned for Jacob as a nation they mourn for him for 70 days which is only two days less than they would mourn for one of their kings and so they effectively mourned for him like they would for one of their kings and then on top of this Pharaoh ordered that Jacob should effectively be given a state funeral and so this meant that when Joseph and his brothers uh, began the long journey back to Canaan to bury their father they were not alone. You now with them there was a, a great host of pharaoh's officials uh, all these important members of the the, pharaoh's court uh, you know the the leaders of cities all these kind of people went with them and also a military escort as well and so there's this as a grand procession a grand funeral procession that traveled all the way back up to Canaan to the, the eastern shores there of the Jordan River before finally Joseph and his brothers carried their father across the Jordan and buried him in the cave that abraham had purchased and so with the funeral now over uh, we ended with them returning back home uh, to egypt looked in verse 14 there it says and joseph returned into egypt he and all his brethren and all that went up with him to bury his father after he had buried his father and so we concluded with joseph uh, and his brethren and of course all the rest of the the company that went with them all returning back to Egypt back to their lives there Joseph of course returning to Pharaoh's court as second in command over all of Egypt and his brothers returning to the land of Goshen uh, to being Pharaoh's herdsmen remember they were given that job by Pharaoh they were the, the herdsmen of the king so they've returned to their lives in the land of Egypt you know we soon learn that the brothers have returned home troubled you know, there's something niggling at the brothers. They have no peace. There's turmoil. There's fear within. And it's all because of something that they had done 40 years earlier. And so notice first with me here this evening, the brothers' fear. The brothers' fear, look in verse 15. It says, and when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will pre- uh, Preventure, hate us, and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. Verse 15 describes clearly for us uh, the reason for the brothers' fear. Now, the brothers were fearful that Joseph was now going to use his position of authority, his position of power in the land of Egypt, to take vengeance upon his brothers. To bring them to justice, if you like, for what they'd done unto him, all those years uh, previous, all those years earlier. You know, while Jacob was still alive, this fear didn't really exist—at least not to the same extent. You know, they, they felt that their father's presence was a restraining factor. You know, they knew how much Joseph loved their father, and so they knew that Joseph was never going to do anything to, to cause harm to their father, bring him grief distress and so they felt that while he was alive their father was a restraining factor but now that he's dead there's nothing left to restrain Joseph he has the position he has the power to deal with them however he wishes and you know in a sense they knew that they deserved whatever he decided to do you know at the end of the verse there it says all the evil which we did unto him they freely admit here they're evil don't they they're not you know denying it they're they're acknowledging it they freely acknowledge that their actions towards joseph were evil and so they know that in a sense joseph has every right to seek to bring justice against them to seek vengeance if you like in the name of justice one commentator wrote this here they freely acknowledge all the evil which they did What they worried about was justice. They feared righteous retribution. Joseph, with his high status and prestige in Egypt, was certainly capable of bringing this retribution. So the brothers here are full of fear. They've returned home and you get the sense that on the way home they've been discussing this, they've been talking about it. And they've returned home full of fear that Joseph is going to use his position to bring vengeance upon them. You know, really, they should have known they had nothing to fear. They should have known they had nothing to fear from Joseph. I mean, Joseph had already made it very clear when they first arrived in the land of Egypt. He made it very clear that he'd forgiven them. Go back to Genesis 45 with me. This is 17 years earlier. Genesis 45 and verse 4. Genesis forty five verse four It says And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now therefore be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves that ye you sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. And these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years, in which there shall neither be airing nor harvest, and God sent me before you To preserve a posterity in the earth, and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God, and He hath made me a father to Pharaoh, and Lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Haste ye and go up to my father, and say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me Lord of all Egypt, come down unto me, tarry not. And thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen, and thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children and thy children's children, and thy flocks, and thy herds, and all that thou hast, and there will I nourish thee, for, there, uh, for yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all that thou hast come to poverty. You know, Joseph here at this this meeting, and we could keep reading on, but Joseph at this meeting here makes it very clear he's forgiven them, doesn't he? He makes it very clear that he, he holds no grudges against them. He makes it clear that he sees God's hand in it all in everything that's happened to him and he also promises there he promises that he will nourish them that he will take care of them and indeed he's kept those promises hasn't he in the last 17 years joseph has nourished his family in the land of goshen he's taken care of them he's kept that promise he's shown them nothing but love over those 17 years you see the point is they had no logical reason to fear joseph He'd given them no reason to believe he was going to take vengeance now their father was dead. And so why did they fear him? Why did they mistrust him so much? Well, firstly, we can say that their fear is the result of the nature of sin itself, isn't it? You know, sin carries with it a burden of guilt and a natural fear of retribution. That's that's what sin brings into our lives, isn't it? The commentator Matthew Henry wrote this, he said a guilty conscience exposes men to continual frights, even when there is no fear. There's no reason to fear, such as in this case. And it makes them suspicious of everybody. It's true, isn't it? Guilty conscience exposes us to frights. It makes us fearful of everybody, suspicious of everybody. You see, sin, sooner or later, will lead to fear. You know, fear that it's going to be discovered and that we're going to reap the consequences we're going to receive judgment for it you know Cain he knew this same fear didn't he go to Genesis chapter 4 quickly Genesis 4 and verse 14 we know the story Cain and Abel Cain of course commits the very first murder he rises up and slays his brother and in verse 14 Cain says this he says behold thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth and from thy face shall I be hid Uh, shall I be hid, sorry, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth and a shikandah pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. Cain here is fearful, isn't he? He has the fear that everyone is out to seek him. Now everyone's going to seek to kill him in vengeance, in retribution for what he has done. Cain knew this fear that comes with sin and it's certainly true here of the brothers. They knew they were guilty and so they are fearful of the consequences of their actions. You know, they're also fearful here because of their own nature. Because of their own natures. You see, they're looking at Joseph's situation through their own eyes, aren't they? Okay? They're looking at Joseph's situation, the position he's in through their eyes. And they knew that if they were in a similar situation as Joseph they would now take retribution. They would now take vengeance. McLaren writes this, he says, their fear that Jacob's death would be followed by an outbreak of long-smothered revenge betrayed all too clearly their own base natures. They thought him like themselves, and they knew themselves capable of nursing wrath to keep it warm through long years of apparent Kindness. You see, they looked at Joseph's situation and they feared he would act exactly as they would in his position. And indeed, as most people would in Joseph's position. Most people would have feigned love and respect while their father was alive and then taken vengeance. That's how most people would respond. They feared that the kindness, the love that he had shown them was all an act. You know, as they looked at Joseph, they couldn't believe that their brother had truly forgiven them. They couldn't believe their brother had truly forgotten their sin, that he had forgotten the hurt, that he put it away. You know, They thought he's surely got it in the war chest. He's going to pull it out now and throw it at our face. You see, they looked at him and they, they thought no one experiencing such evil could ever be so forgiving. And that's true of most people, isn't it? And that's how they were looking at Joseph here. They concluded that his acts of love were only for the sake of Jacob. And now their father was gone. They they thought Joseph will surely seek vengeance. And So notice for me secondly now, the brothers plea for mercy. They plead for mercy. Look in verse 16. It says, And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, thy father did command before he died saying so shall ye say unto Joseph forgive I pray thee now the trespass of thy brethren and their sin for they did evil unto uh, for sorry for they did unto thee evil and now we pray thee forgive the trespass of thy servants of the God thy father and Joseph wept when they spake unto him you know, because of their fear and their mistrust of Joseph the brothers now seek to get on the front foot if you like they seek to get on the front foot and they they plead for Joseph to show them mercy they plead for Joseph to forgive them and they begin this process by sending a messenger to plead on their behalf there in verse 16 and 17 and now we're not told who the messenger is but many believe and it, it seems logical Many believe that it was one of the brothers chosen as their representative. And it seems, seems like a logical conclusion because, you know, they're pleading on behalf of the brothers and they know what they're feeling. And so it seems like it's probably one of the brothers. And, and if this is the case, more than likely it's probably Judah who is chosen as their representative. I mean, Judah has already acted as their spokesman on previous occasions. Just go back to Genesis 44 with me. In Genesis forty four and verse eighteen. <clears throat> it says, Then Judah came near unto him and said, O my Lord, let thy servant, I pray thee, speak a word in my Lord's ears, and let not thine anger burn against my servant, for thou art even as Pharaoh. And the Lord asked his servant, saying, Have ye a father or a brother? And he goes on, It's it's Judah here pleading their cause before Joseph, when they didn't realize who he was, they thought he was just the governor of Egypt. Plead in their cause. Judah is the one who speaks, and on this occasion, he actually endears himself to Joseph because he pleads to take Benjamin's place. Look in verse 33 there of chapter 44. It says, "Now therefore, I pray thee, let thy servant abide instead of the lad Benjamin, a bondman to my lord, and let the lad go up with his brethren. For how shall I go up to my father, and the lad not be with me? Uh, be not with me, lest peradventure I see the evil." that shall come on my father. And so he also on this occasion, he's endeared himself to Joseph, hasn't he? He's shown his, his love for Benjamin. He's willing to sacrifice for Benjamin. And so if you're going to choose a brother out of these 10 to represent you, Judah's the logical choice, isn't he? He's the one who speaks up and he's the one who's also endeared himself to Joseph on this previous occasion. Regardless of who exactly this messenger is, they begin by coming in and they indicate that this is what their father, Jacob, wanted. Look in verse 16. It says and they sent a messenger under Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying. And so the brothers go in, or the messenger, sorry, on behalf of the brothers, goes in and claims that their father, Jacob, had instructed, had commanded them to ask Joseph to forgive them. And, of course, the implication of that is Jacob, our father, asked you to forgive us. That's the implication, isn't it? Okay. That's the implication of what they're saying here. Now, we have no record of this conversation taking place. And so some believe that the brothers actually made this up, that they concocted this command from their father. And they did so to make, uh, in an effort to make sure Joseph would show them mercy, you know, out of respect for their father. Uh, One commentator wrote this, he said it's likely that the brothers concocted this story hoping that Joseph's love for his father would give him a greater love for his brothers. Another writes this, since they feared Joseph's love and respect for Jacob uh, may have been the reason he had not retaliated, they used that very love and respect as the basis of intercession. So some believe that they made up this story. You know that our father commanded us to do this. They made it up to, in an effort to persuade Joseph to look favorably upon them and forgive them. But whether or not the command was from uh, from their father was real, or whether they made it up, doesn't really matter. The brothers' repentance here is very real. Okay, that, that's the main point here, isn't it? Okay, the brothers' repentance here is genuine it is very real as we read verse 17 here says, so shall you say unto joseph <clears throat> forgive i pray thee now the trespass of thy brethren and their sin for they did unto thee evil and now we pray thee forgive the trespass of thy servants uh, sorry of the servants of the god of thy father and joseph wept when they spake unto him now here we see the brothers humbly acknowledge their sin, and humbly plead for Joseph to forgive them. You know, it's interesting here that they acknowledge two things. They acknowledge that their actions were evil against Joseph. They did him wrong. They hurt him. But they also acknowledge that they committed a trespass against Almighty God. You notice that there in verse 17? It says, So shall you say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, For they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of of the servants of the God of thy father. So they acknowledge both things, don't they? They acknowledge we did unto you evil. And they say, and it's a trespass, it's sin against God. They understood they treated Joseph terribly. They offended him. But more importantly, they'd they'd sin in the eyes of God. They'd sin against their God, the God they served, the God of their father see, they were guilty before God and man. And they plead with Joseph now to show them mercy, to forgive them. You now notice also here, there's no excuses, is there? You know, as, they, as they bring this message under him, there's no excuses. There's no reasoning with Joseph. No reasoning with him, no offering of a compromise. There is just a humble confession and a plea for forgiveness. Now at the end of verse 17, it tells us that when Joseph hears this humble confession, this humble plea, Joseph is overcome with emotion. It says at the end of verse 17 there, And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. He's overcome with emotion when he hears this. Now Joseph's weeping here re- reflects for us his sensitive heart, doesn't it? It reflects his sensitive heart. It reflects the, the love, the compassion he has for his brothers. You know, it pained him to see that his brothers were full of such anxiety and fear. It pained him. It hurt him to see that his brothers were in this state, to learn that they were still punishing themselves for something that he had forgiven them of 17 years ago. They're still punishing themselves over that same sin. See, years earlier he told them to not be angry or grieve grieve with themselves for what they'd done. He told them to accept God's forgiveness and let's move forward. Go back to Genesis 45. You remember this, Genesis 45, and we read it before, but verse 5 there, Genesis 45, verse 5, it says, Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. Years earlier he'd said to them, You know, don't be angry with yourselves. God's in control. God knew what he was doing. Don't be angry with yourselves. Don't be grieved about all this. Accept God's forgiveness and let's move forward. So now he weeps because he's grieved to see that his brothers are still being eaten away by this. It's still affecting them. It's causing them to be fearful of him. You know, here we see Joseph's great love and compassion for his brothers. After all they've done, all he can do when he hears this is he weeps. He weeps to see that they are so affected by it all still. Affected by their sin. He cared for them. He loved them deeply. And in verse 18, we learn that the brothers then follow up this message of confession. They follow it up by humbly coming before him. And they essentially throw themselves at his mercy look in verse 18 it says and his brothers also sorry and his brethren also went and fell down before his face and they said behold we be thy servants now the messenger has come and delivered the message on behalf of the brothers and you get the impression he's gone back and told them joseph's response and so now they've all come collectively before joseph and they all come in and they fall down on their faces before him you know as they fall down before him we yet again see the fulfillment of the dreams that joseph had when he was 17 don't we now back in genesis chapter 37 we're not going to turn there but we know it genesis 37 verse 6 to 11 joseph had two dreams you know he had the the dream of the sheaves and his brother's sheaves all bowed down to his and then he had the dream of the sun the moon and the stars bowing down making obeisance under him Both dreams depicting the fact that his family would one day bow before him. They would acknowledge his authority. And yet again, as the brothers fall on their face before him, we see the fulfillment of these dreams. And they declare themselves here to be Joseph's servants. It says there in verse 18, Behold, we be thy servants. Essentially, here they say, We be your slaves. They say we are your slaves you know years earlier they'd sold joseph as a slave and now they volunteer to be his slaves you see the brothers here are humbly willing to make restitution aren't they for what they'd done unto him they're willing to suffer the same fate if you like they're willing to suffer for it they're willing to take the consequences but they want their brother to forgive them don't they you see this is a genuine display of humility that backs up their plea for mercy, for forgiveness. And that brings us now thirdly this evening to see Joseph's godly response. Joseph's godly response. Let's read from verse 19. It says, And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive now therefore fear ye, fear ye not I will nourish you and your little ones and he comforted them and spake kindly unto them as the brothers have come in and they've fallen down on their faces before him and they've said we be your servants as Joseph is standing there and he's looking at his brothers the very first words he speaks are fear not that's what he says he says fear not Joseph here, full of compassion and love, assures his brothers that they have nothing to fear from him. Now, that's what they wanted to hear, isn't it? Before anything else, those two words alone would have just calmed their spirits, wouldn't it? When he said, fear not. He assures them here with these two words that he has no intention of seeking vengeance. No intention at all of, of doing anything to them. And then he makes it very clear why it is that he will not seek vengeance. Look again in verse 19. It says, And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? Joseph asks them here a rhetorical question. He says, For am I in the place of God? Joseph here refuses to take vengeance Because of his understanding of who God is. Because of his understanding of God's authority as the righteous judge. Joseph understood that he was simply the servant of God. And it was not his place to take vengeance upon his brothers no matter what they had done. He understood that they were accountable to God. And if if they deserved anything... As a consequence of their sin, if they still had to suffer anything, God would bring that upon them. God would be the righteous judge. God would deal with them as he wished. Joseph knew that if he took vengeance, he would be taking the place of God. He would be acting as if he was in God's place. He had God's authority. Now we see here that Joseph, he understood what the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12. Let's turn over there. <clears throat> Romans twelve <clears throat> Verse seventeen. It says Recompense to no man, evil for evil, provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, God's word clearly teaches us that we are not to recompense evil for evil, we're not to give back evil for evil. Not to seek vengeance instead, we are to forgive, and we are to seek to live peaceably with all men. Leave vengeance to the Lord. It belongs unto Him. If, if they deserve anything you know, in God's justice, God will bring it upon them. But we forgive and we seek to live peaceably with all men. You know this is not the natural response of men, is it? It's not the, the natural response of the flesh. Our, our sinful flesh wants to get evil, uh, get even. You know, that person's done us wrong, so we want to do them wrong. We want to get even. We want to get our own back. You know, this is the philosophy of the world, isn't it? This is the the creed that the world lives by. You know, as believers, we're called to be different. You know, we are to be controlled by the spirit within, and, and that means demonstrating godly forgiveness. You know, Ephesians 4 makes this point clear. Let's turn there, Ephesians 4. <clears throat> Ephesians 4 and verse 31 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. You know, as God has forgiven us of our sin, we are now to turn around and to demonstrate that same love, that same forgiveness unto those who offend us, unto those who do wrong unto us. And you know, this response is only possible as we walk in a close relationship with the Lord, isn't it? It's only possible as we are controlled by the Spirit. We cannot hope to do this In the power of the flesh. We cannot hope to do this if our relationship with the Lord is not what it ought to be. You see, this is why Joseph could respond in this way. Joseph had a right relationship with God. Joseph was a man in whom the Spirit of God was. Joseph knew his God. And that meant that Joseph knew his God was in control. That's what he says there in verse 20, isn't it? Joseph knew his God was in control. Verse 20, he says, But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. You see, Joseph knew who his God was. And he knew that his God was sovereign. And he reiterates here to his brothers his understanding that God was ultimately in control through all those years of hurts. God was in control. You know, Joseph, he doesn't excuse their sin. He calls it evil. You know, verse 20, but as for you, ye thought evil against me. He doesn't excuse their sin. He calls it evil. He calls it what it was, what it is. But Joseph knew that his God was sovereign, that God is sovereign. And he knew that God had used their evil to accomplish his purpose. You know, this is the wonderful truth of Romans 8:28, isn't it? You know, Romans 8:28, where it talks about the fact that, you know, uh, those who love God, all things work together for good. So then they love God to them who are the called according to his purpose. You see, as Joseph now looked back on his life, he could see clearly how God had worked all things together for good. How God had used their evil to bring him to Egypt in order that he might be exalted to this position of power and authority so he might save much people alive from the famine. And indeed, in particular, save his people, his family, from the famine. You see, it was this divine perspective on life that helped Joseph respond in such a godly way. That's how he could respond like this, because he had a divine perspective on life. He was focusing on God and who God is. God's sovereignty, God's power, God's authority. That's how Joseph could respond in such a godly way. And in verse 21, we see that Joseph demonstrates his love and forgiveness by promising yet again to nourish and care for them. Verse 21, Now therefore fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. Joseph declares here in verse 21, he declares that he will now continue to take care of them. He will continue to nourish them, provide for them as he had for the last 17 years. You know, they thought that what Joseph had done was only because their father was alive. But Joseph here declares that really it was because he harbored no bitterness at all. That's why he'd shown them love over the last 17 years. That's why he would continue to do it because Joseph had no bitterness in his heart towards them. You see, these acts of kindness were the outworking of his love and forgiveness. He didn't just say he had forgiven them. He demonstrated it by his actions. You know, beloved, Joseph's response to his brothers here is a wonderful example under all of us. You see, this is the response we must all have to those who offend us. And it's going to happen, isn't it? It does happen. We are constantly offended by people, even by fellow believers. People hurt us. People do us wrong. But We must have this godly response like Joseph. And you know, it's a response that's only possible as we walk in the Spirit's. And as we have that same divine perspective on life that Joseph had. One commentator wrote this, he said, Every Christian should be able to see the overarching and overruling hand of God in their life. To know that no matter what evil man brings against us, God can use it for good. Ultimately, our lives are not in the hands of men, but in the hands of God who overrules all things for his glory. You see, if we remember that, if we understand and live with that knowledge that our God is sovereign, that understanding that even when others do us wrong, even when others do evil against us, it didn't take God by surprise, did it? God knew it was coming. God understood they were going to do that thing to us. God knew the pain it was going to cause, the suffering it was going to cause. But God is still in control, isn't he? And so God can use that to accomplish good in our lives. That's the whole point, isn't it? God is in control and God can use, as He did in Joseph's life, God can use that to bring good. He can use all things for His glory. Now when we have this perspective, it helps us to respond in a godly way to those who've hurt us. It enables us to respond with love and forgiveness rather than bitterness and a desire to get even. We leave it to the Lord instead one commentator wrote this he said often the problem we have in loving others and in freeing ourselves from bitterness we may have towards them is really a problem of not knowing who God is and trusting him to be who he says he is it's true isn't it the problem of bitterness the problem of a lack of love and forgiveness stems from our failure to truly know and believe who God is only with the right perspective of who God is and understanding that He is sovereign and understanding that He is the righteous judge, only with that right godly perspective will we be able, like Joseph, to love and forgive those who've done us wrong. Because we'll trust God's eternal wisdom and God's eternal plan. God knows best. God's in control. Leave it in His hands. And he said, let's show love and forgiveness as Christ has shown unto us. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord and heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Lord, for Joseph, this wonderful uh, example in the scriptures of, Lord, love and forgiveness in action. Lord, may you help us, Lord, to have this same divine perspective on life. Help us, Lord, to truly understand who you are, that you are sovereign, that you are the righteous judge, that Lord, even when evil comes against us, Lord, you saw that it was coming and you can use it to your glory. And Lord, help us to trust that you know best and help us to respond with love and forgiveness. Lord, help us not to harbor bitterness in our hearts, to put it away, and Lord, to behave and conduct ourselves in a way that honors and glorifies you. Lord, bless as we close. Now we pray in Jesus' name.